0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. It is good to be here Sunday morning. Good to see all of you. I appreciate you being here at Grace. If you're joining us on live stream, uh, live stream, thank you so much. We believe God can do the miraculous no matter where you are. We truly believe that. We ask that you open yourself to the ministry of God's spirit this morning. There are a few things I have to tell you about. Uh, Tuesday, November 1st, we will have our first Tuesday evening prayer here in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. Friday, November 4th, the Louisiana District Choir will be singing at the First Pentecostal Church of Denham Springs at 7 p.m. We look forward to that. On Sunday, November 6th, Daylight Savings Time ends. Please take care of your clocks. And on Sunday, November 6th, also, we will have vet- our veterans will be honored in our 11 o'clock service. And please remember that November 8th, on that Tuesday, is Election Day. One other announcement. Uh, for students that are 11 and up, and want to sing in our youth choir, please contact Sister Sherry Bunch or Sister Michelle Groh. God bless you. I was thinking this morning, right prior to service, a statement that David said that was remembered by Jesus' disciples as he overturned the tables in the temple. David said, The zeal of thy house has eaten me up. The zeal. thy house has consumed me. I don't know if you feel the same way about the Lord than I do, but I feel consumed by a love and appreciation for what God has done for me. I am undeserving, but he loved me anyway. Can we stand to our feet and worship the Lord this morning?
1: Hallelujah! Come on, Grace Church, just for a moment. Let's respond to this moment. Let's just respond to this moment right here. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody's need can be met right now. You don't have to wait another moment. You don't have to wait for anything else to happen. If you'll just speak Jesus over your situation. I believe that strength is coming to your household. I believe that healing is coming to your life. I believe that a fresh anointing is coming on your family. Come on, somebody speak Jesus right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody's tapping into it right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thursday night, I had a dream, and I felt the same spirit that I felt in that dream today when they began to sing about speaking the name of Jesus over every situation, over every family. I dreamed that we were at Grace Church, it did not look like this, you know how dreams can... Be convoluted sometimes I was sitting in the audience the pastor was preaching and a business colleague of mine one that I conduct business with was sitting behind pastor for whatever reason and uh, unchurched man and his brother was sitting with him I don't know if the man has a brother or not but he was his brother was sitting next to this business associate of mine and it was such a pitiful situation because the man could not speak. His tongue would just roll around in his mouth. He would try to talk. He would try to speak, and he could not form words. And he was severely handicapped in that way. And the, my associate stood up and he said, "This is my brother." And he said, "He's a salesman, and he can't speak. He is dumb of mouth." And of course, the besides the physical handicap, it represented this man's identity, represented his occupation, who he was, and the colleague sat down and the Holy Ghost hit me and I stood up and I said in this dream and I said in the name of Jesus Christ begin to speak and I said and receive the Holy Ghost and that man stood up and began to speak in my dream and he began to speak in other tongues that's the power of the name of Jesus and the point is as I feel it right here right now. Somebody ought to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak over my situation. Oh, if you would just do that right now, there is no telling what would happen in this place. Oh, come on, somebody. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given. Into that name, whatever you need today can be found in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Remain standing with me just a moment. Great to see everyone here. I know Brother Ben has already welcomed you. Great to see you. Let me just say uh, how awesome and what a wonderful time we had yesterday at family night and second annual chili cook-off isn't that right amen we had a good time last night it was uh, uh heard several people say it was the best ever best one we've ever had the weather was wonderful and had a great crowd and it just seemed like everybody had a great time but how many of you know things like that do not happen without a lot of planning a lot of hard work a lot of execution. And so we just want to thank Sister Sheila Landry, Brother Mike Landry for their tremendous work in putting that together. And I also want to say a very special thank you to Sister Sarah Tomlinson. who worked very hard as just kind of Sister Sheila's right hand and did a tremendous job. And so we appreciate her, all of the, the, the cooks, all the judges, all the volunteers that helped set up and tear down. Everybody just did a tremendous job. We appreciate it so very much. Can we just give them all one more round of applause? One last announcement I want to remind, or to announce to all of our parents, all of our parents of our students, uh, and if your student is in the youth group, like to meet with you next Sunday after the altar service in classroom two. We're gonna do an informational meeting on North American Youth Congress. It's next year, it's in July, but we need to meet now to give you time to start thinking about uh, how your schedule will work for next year finances, all that stuff. We need to start talking now to get ahead of that. So if our, if my par- our parents would meet with me uh, next Sunday after the altar service, I would appreciate it. We're just, just strictly an informational meeting. So be mindful of that. I'm going to ask you one more time before we read our text to, to pray with me. Oftentimes we pray before we you know, after we read our text and before we're seated. But I want to pray first, pray now. I'm just, I, I feel a, a strong undercurrent of the Holy Ghost. There's a very strong anointing here. Um, I believe that God has something to say to the church. He has something to say to all of us today, and we just need to um, we just we just need to tap into that and be uh, in one mind and one accord. So, would you pray to that end for the remainder of this service for the preaching of the Word of God today? Thank you, Jesus. God, such power in this place, such anointing, such authority rests here today. And Lord, I know that you are here with a specific and strategic purpose. And I know, Lord, that your word never returns void. And I'm preparing my mind, my heart, my spirit to receive. Lord, I want to receive. Your word is truth. Your word is what saves us. Your word is what uh, quickens us and, and, and helps us grow and be stronger in you. And I want to receive today. And so I'm preparing myself for that. Lord, bless this, aud- uh, this audience today, this congregation, Lord, that we could hear what thus saith the word of the Lord, and that we would leave forever changed in your presence. If everybody would just say in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's go now uh, directly to our text today. I'd like to call your attention to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, we're going to read several verses here Uh, beginning with verse 10, Luke chapter 21 and verse 10. Then said he, that is Jesus, unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers' places, and famines and pestilences. And fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Going down now to verse 25, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see. The Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That is, of course, the rapture of the church. Notice verse 28. And when these signs begin to come to pass, not after they've come to pass, not halfway through, not when it gets down to the last minute and you come sliding in uh, just by the you know, the last moment uh, with just a hope, But when they begin to come to pass, that is the time to look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Final verse, verse 34, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, it's not a word we use every day, we'll talk about it, drunkenness, and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares so I would like to talk to all of our I'd like to dedicate this today to all of our families including the one represented in the pulpit I'd like to talk to you today from this subject the third warning and you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord the third warning <clears throat> Years ago, in what we affectionately now call the Baker Church, that is our, uh, fir- the f- first building we had over in Baker, Groom Road, back in those days we had what they called testimony service. Does anybody remember testimony service? We don't do that anymore for a lot of really good reasons. I hear Kelton chuckling over there. He remembers those days. We were youth group age back then. We were a small church to begin with, what you might would call now a, a kind of a home missions type church, just getting rebuilt and restarted. Uh, Pastor and Sister Murphy did a tremendous job with a tremendous vision of building up from essentially nothing. It was a small church back then. It was a Wednesday night, so the crowd was even smaller. And... uh pastor called a testimony service because that's just what we did in those days. And uh, he called on a man by the name, we called him Brother Bradley. Uh, Brother Bradley was married to Sister Sarah's sister. So it was Sister Sarah and uh, Brother James's brother-in-law. He's a wonderful man, wonderful man. He was uh, walked with God, had a tremendous understanding of the Word of God and Pastor called on Brother Bradley, he was visiting that night uh, from out of town, and called on him and asked him to testify. Brother Bradley used that moment for great dramatic effect. As I said, it was already quiet, you know, we were all kind of waiting to, you know, give honor to the person who was standing to testify and see what they would say, and it, it, you know, got quiet, and Brother Bradley took his time standing up to testify, and he, uh, he stood there a minute and just let that moment hang for just long enough. And then about as, I, I really think it was as loudly as he could say it. He just said, Jesus is coming soon. And he sat back down. And I assure you that we were all awake at that point. I don't remember how Pastor transitioned the rest of the service after that moment, but he did so in his usual eloquent way. But Brother Bradley's point was well made and it was well received. In that moment, he felt a burden. He felt a passion to remind the church and in a very literal way wake the church up to say that Jesus is still coming soon. And it is a refrain, it is a message, it is a fact that we need to hear again today. Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that today? And our posture as the church in the end times that we find ourselves, Braylon, thank you for that message the other night. Our posture as the church in the last days must be one of anticipation of. His imminent return. We have to shake off the temptation to be lulled into lethargy and complacency that assumes that because He has not come yet, that He's not coming at all. The Apostle Peter warned of this kind of thinking. It was already prevalent in the early church. He said in 2 Peter 3 and 4, those that would say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The Apostle Paul also warned against a casual end time posture in Romans. He said, knowing the times, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Why? Because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So today, the most urgent thing before us today, I I call us to attention today to say that the most urgent thing today is to shake ourselves awake for the sake of our souls and the souls of our family and realize that the prophecy clock is still ticking. We are living at the end of the age and we must be ready and our families must be ready For the rapture of the church. Jesus is still coming soon. Can I hear a great amen on that? I want to be ready. I want my family to be ready. I want to be awake. Our text today in Luke chapter 21, uh, it is also recorded very similar, uh, uh, related to us in Matthew 24 and Mark chapter 13. Uh, the comments of Jesus in regards to the last days it's a very complex chapter it has it has one it is one that has fascinated uh, scholars and theologians for for all of time um, the disciples had asked Jesus some questions and Luke 21 records the answer of Jesus to those questions and what, the, the disciples asked him three specific things. They asked him, said, when will these things be? They were referring to the destruction of the temple, which happened in A.D. 70. That was the first question. The, the second question is uh, was, what is the sign of your coming? And then the third question was, what is the sign of the end of the age? So there's three questions that they asked Jesus all right there at the beginning of the chapter. And scholars have studied for, for just forever. Uh, as to which part of Jesus' comments relate to which question. That's, that's where it gets complicated. That's where it gets uh, open uh, in some instances for interpretation, and there are differences of opinion on different things. But the broader point is this, is that toward the end of Jesus' answer to the disciples in Luke 21, uh, partially to the question, what will be the, end, the signs of the end times and the signs of His coming? Towards the end of that, He gives the church a three- Part warning a three-part warning and he says that unless we take heed unless we take heed to ourselves it is possible that the day of the rapture the coming of Jesus would come upon us unawares in other words we can miss it it is possible to miss it imagine imagine this after all all the years since the church began some 2,000 years Finally getting to the time of the rapture, that momentous event to which the church has looked forward to for, several, for a couple of centuries now. Everyone has been anticipating. We've preached about it, prayed about it, talked about it, read about it. Getting all the way to that point and then missing it because we were unaware and caught by surprise. Jesus said it's possible. It could happen. He mentions three things that could cause us to miss it. Three things that could cause us, cause it to come unaware. If you'll give me Luke 21, 34 again, uh, you see them here, surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of life. The first thing he mentions is surfeiting. That's an odd word. I don't know that you ever use that word. I certainly don't. A literal definition of surfeiting is overindulgence. Becoming satisfied or satiated with something. I think we live in a society that we are just about overdo just about everything we do. Nothing is done in moderation. But most modern translations just translate that word as carousing. We'd say partying. Jesus said part, the partying, being caught up in the pleasures of this world, uh, living the party lifestyle, I guess you could say, could cause you to miss... The rapture. He mentions drunkenness. Uh, somehow in modern Christianity, it's become okay to drink uh, alcohol. I don't know how that happened, but it creeped into modern Christianity some kind of way. Don't think the Bible is silent on the subject of alcohol. Jesus said drunkenness would cause you to miss the rapture. I feel like today there are those that probably... Uh, fit into one of those two or both categories. And if you're here today uh, in those categories, I pray that you would hear the words of Jesus and know that a lifestyle like that will cause you to miss the rapture. It is not uh, up for debate. The Bible is not silent. Uh, We must forsake the things of this world and give ourselves wholly to the kingdom of God. But it's the third warning today that I want to sound clearly to us all because it affects every individual in this room. Let me read Luke 21:34 this way to make it very very clear. Take heed to yourselves Jesus says lest at any time your heart be overcharged with the cares of this life and that day come upon you unaware. It is that third warning that should give us as the church in this end time pause and compel us to reflect with great soberness on how we are investing our lives in light of eternity. Because Jesus said it is possible to be so distracted by the cares of this life, to be so busy doing the things that we do, to to, to get caught up in the routine of the day, today, today that we miss the signs all around us that tells us that Jesus is coming soon. No one can deny that we are a busy people. No one can deny that we are an overwhelmed generation. But it's possible to be so busy. It's possible to be so overwhelmed that we miss signs of Jesus' imminent return, that we miss signs that tells us what time it is, that we miss signs that tells us that we should be looking up and anticipating the return of Jesus very soon. I'm thankful that we live in a country where you can work as hard as you want to work, and you can get as much education as you want to get, and you can make as much money As you can possibly make. I'm thankful for freedom and I'm thankful for prosperity. I wouldn't want it the other way. But we've gotten so caught up in chasing careers that we've forgotten to pursue our calling. We've gotten so busy building a life that we've neglected to nourish our souls. We've gotten so motivated in making money that we've forgotten to invest in eternity. We've gotten so busy with the daily grind that we don't have time to think about eternal values. The cares of this life have distracted us from the reality of heaven. And we've got to get about the business of heaven. It's time to turn our eyes upon Jesus and say, I'm going to look up for my redemption is drawing nigh. It's happening. It's happening. We 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 go from day to day. We we get through the week. We get through the uh, uh, through the through the work week. I, I tell people sometimes in jest, uh, say, "How was your day today?" I say, "Well, I had a long week today," and uh, that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? It feels like we could just get through if we can just uh, get it all done some kind of way and crowd our schedules and get busy, and and I fear that. That that, that the things that are happening all around us are just passing us by and we're not taking them for what they are. Signs that Jesus is coming soon. These headlines that I'm going to show you on the screen now, all of these are from the last 30 days or so. Um, Most of them are within the last two weeks. Russia has plunged the world into nuclear threat the very real possibility that they may use nuclear weapons. One of the high-ranking government officials said that we are closer now to atomic war than we've ever been since the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. That means that if you're here today and you're under the age of 60, we are living in a world that we have not known before. We've never lived in a world under the age of 60 with the threat of nuclear warfare hanging over our head. But that's where we are today, and that's happened in the last 30 to 60 days. I hope we're paying attention. You see that North Korea is continuing to push the envelope in regard to nuclear weapons. Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars. Speaking of North Korea, they recently, uh, just two weeks ago, launched a ballistic missile over the sovereign country of Japan. I saw footage, and maybe you did too, of the citizens of Tokyo stepping out of the subway and hearing that warning siren going off over the city of Tokyo saying that there was a ballistic missile over the country. You could sense their confusion. You could sense their fear. You could sense their perplexity. Jesus said that in the last days, there would be distress and perplexity of nations, men's hearts failing them for fear. The earth is groaning and crying out just like the Bible said it would. The, uh, the upshot of these headlines right here is this. We're in the third year now of extreme drought in the West. And about 59% of the United States is currently under drought conditions. I read this week that the Mississippi River has gotten so low that they are now concerned that they may not be able to use it like they were before as a vital shipping lane to get goods up and down the Mississippi River, i.e. food and necessities to people because it is so low now. They may not be able to use it as a shipping lane like they had before. Because of the drought, farmers are are planting less crops because there is simply no rain to water them. That that Shasta Lake article is very fascinating. Uh, that That whole reservoir provided water to to um, multiple cities, multiple areas, uh, millions of people in California. It's only at 30% capacity now because they haven't had rain in so long over there. Um, Jesus said there would be famine in those days. The question is, is are are we noticing the signs that are right in front of us? Uh, I must hasten today, but let me mention this. He said there would be uh, earthquakes in diverse places. Tuesday night, there was a 6.4 magnitude earthquake in the Philippines. A 5.1 magnitude earthquake rattled San Jose also on Tuesday. Do you understand with me today, those are in geographically different places. On Friday, they warned the residents of this was this Friday, they warned the residents of Hawaii's big island that the Mauna Loa volcano, which is the world's largest, could erupt because of the frequency and intensity of earthquakes taking place at its summit. Uh, the the. People that watch earthquakes and study all that business, they consider a major earthquake 6.0 or higher on the scale. This year, 2022, there have been 100 earthquakes all around the world measuring 6.0 or higher. Uh, these are signs that Jesus said would happen at the end of the days. Uh, there, there's more here. I've got, to, I've got to balance my time because there's, a, uh, there's somewhere I'm going with all this. Let me just say that the economy is not getting better. And I'll also say in passing, if you get a chance, Google what the Jews are doing in terms of getting their red heifer. They have five now that they think are probably candidates to institute temple sacrifice. And they are called, their year just started at the 1st of October. They're calling it the year of the ceremony of the red heifer. They are very close to sacrificing that red heifer, rebuilding the temple. The significance of that is, is that they say their Messiah will appear when that happens. We know him as Jesus Christ, and it's about to happen. Amen. Amen. But the question is this. With COVID moving off the headlines, we thought everything would get back to normal. But look at what has replaced it. I would say these things are infinitely heavier, infinitely more of concern than COVID ever was because these are cataclysmic worldwide events that the Bible predicted would happen. I'm an optimist to a fault, but I can't deny the things that are happening in this world and that the world is not getting better. The simple fact is this, the world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere or beyond the blue I'm just passing through I can't be at home in this world anymore and I say even so come quickly lord jesus is there anybody here today that just feels that stirring down on the inside that says i just can't be at home here anymore but I know that my redemption draweth nigh and that Jesus is soon to come and I want to make heaven my home Jesus said in my father's house are many mansions I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, oh, the blessed promises is, is he will come again. Praise God. Praise God. But the danger for us today, this moment we have, I want to show you in a moment, we have, a, we have an opportunity here. It's the day of salvation. But the danger is, Jesus' third warning, that the cares of life have so overtaken us, and we've become so busy, that we've missed the bigger picture. We haven't seen the signs of the times that are right around us that I've tried to demonstrate with these current headlines. Lot of the Old Testament had this problem. He was distracted in his culture. He was unable to discern his times. And he paid an extraordinarily High price. Lot chose to raise his family in a place called Sodom. We know Sodom is synonymous with sin and immorality. Let me show you what attracted Lot to Sodom in the first place. He and his uncle Abraham had increased their flocks, their herds, their wealth, if you will. And because of the disputes of their Uh, their herdsmen and their shepherds and all, they realized they were going to have to separate and go two separate ways. Abraham said, Lot, you choose. And Lot chose Sodom. Let me show you what attracted uh, Lot to Sodom to begin with. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. It'll be on the screen for you. Lot lifted up his eyes. He beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Lot chose a place that looked an awful lot like the garden of the Lord, which of course is Eden, which of course represents spiritual perfection before the fall where God's presence dwelt and communed with the first man and the first woman in perfect relationship. Lot chose a place that looked like that. But it also looked a lot like Egypt. Egypt is always a type of sin and the world in Scripture. Sodom was a cleverly packaged lie that said you can blend the things of God with the things of the world and still be okay. Lot, I believe, had a spiritual lineage, he, his old uncle Abraham was a spiritual man. He was a praying man. He was a man of faith. And so somewhere along the way, you just have to believe that Lot Lot was aware of that. He had some of that inside. But he wanted to go out into the world and try something new, see what the wider world had to offer. So he chose this place, this mirage called Sodom, a place where he thought he could have it both ways. He could have all the things of this life that the world had to offer and still come to church and feel the presence of God as his schedule allowed. He could keep the presence of God handy in case he had a need, but still enjoy the pleasures of sin in the world for a season. Lot wanted both, but he got neither. I want us to ask ourselves today, how often do we make life decisions based on carnal goals and rewards and seldom consider the eternal outcome of those decisions. Somewhere along the way Lot got caught up in the atmosphere, the culture, the day-to-day of Sodom and in my mind he forgot all about his spiritual heritage. He forgot about his spiritual uh, beginnings. He left all that behind. It was, it was gone. And, and it was all about the now. It was all about what was going on today. It was all about uh, the culture in which he lived. And I want you to notice what Jesus said about that day that Lot lived in in the city of Sodom. Luke chapter 17, 28. He says that uh, likewise, he's talking about the second coming, the rapture. Likewise, in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built They were just busy going on about life. They were doing the things they had to do, taking care of the things that they had to take care of. And that was the culture in which Lot lived. And the, Jesus continues that statement and says that they came upon him completely unaware. Somewhere along the way, Lot's... Allegiance uh, shifted somewhere along the way. His perspective changed somewhere along uh, somewhere along the way. The faith of Abraham became a distant memory, a cloud uh, that, that was long forgotten in his cloudy memory, and it became a relic of the distant path, past. Something that he felt was good for Abraham, but he was but Lot didn't need it. He was upwardly mobile. He was making his mark in life, he was living his dream. And it caused him to lose the ability to discern the times in which he lived and to uh, perceive the impending judgment that was coming to that land. It was only the prayers of Abraham that got Lot out of Sodom. If it hadn't been for his uncle Abraham, he'd never made it out. But notice what Lot's complacency and lack of perspective cost him. Only Lot and his two daughters got out of Sodom. They were the only three saved, not out of the entire city only. They were the only three saved out of Lot's entire family. We read that Lot had these two daughters that lived at home, but we also read about his sons-in-law who married his daughters, other daughters. It's not too much to presume then that he probably had grandchildren. I don't know how many children and grandchildren he had in total. But what I do know is this. The majority of Lot's family, all but three, were lost in Sodom. Because Lot got caught up in busyness of life, cares of life, the day-to-day, the buying, the selling, the job, the school, all of those things. And he lost the ability to discern his times. It is the third warning. It is the third warning that Jesus gave us. We can be good people doing good things. We can be busy people being busy about good things. But if we overlook eternity, we lose. Eternity must be our singular focus and our top priority. Because there's nothing in this world worth... Losing your family to eternity too. It's the third warning, church. We have to be busy about the Father's business. You know, there's no, we, we've got we've to work. The Bible says if you don't work, that's not good. We've got to go to school. we got to get education. we got to provide for our family. We've got to do all those things. But we've got to do it in perspective. We've lost eternal perspective. The times, uh, the signs of the times are happening on the headlines every moment of every day, and they're floating right by us, and we're missing them because we're distracted. Let us turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let us begin looking for the soon return, and let us do something about getting our families closer to the cross. Let us do something about getting our families at the altar. Let us do something about making sure we're saved. There's another man in Scripture. I'm happy to tell you, a man from the Old Testament, just like Lot, that shows us how it's done. You want your family saved. You want to discern your times. Noah showed us how to do it. Jesus said the days of the coming of of Jesus Christ would be like the days of Noah. So we are right to draw from Noah as our example. He said, in the days of Noah, they ate, they drank, very very similar to what he said about Lot. They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage. In other words, they were just doing life. They were living, but they were caught up in the cares of life more than the things of God. But the difference is this, Noah discerned the times in which he lived. He understood that there was an approaching judgment. He had had his ear tuned to the heavenly. He had his eyes on the eternal. And God talked with him and walked with him and spoke to him and said, there's judgment coming on the world. And Noah took action. Look at what the writer of Hebrews said about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Of all the reasons Noah built the ark, he built it because God told him to and he was just being obedient. That's reason enough right there. We need to be obedient to what God tells us to do. He built it to save the human race or give to keep the human race from being destroyed. He built it to save the animals, to keep the species from, from being completely wiped out. The, there was an opportunity for, the, for those that perished in the flood. They could have gotten on the ark. He built it with them in mind. But for all those very valid reasons, the primary reason that Noah built the ark was for the saving of his family. All that work, all the toil, the planning, the sweat, the fatigue. What kept you going, Noah? Noah? I'm building an ark to the saving of my family. All the things that he didn't have time to go do. All of the the fun things that he missed out on. All of the, the things of that day that he could have been doing that he didn't get to do. Why? Because he was building an ark for the saving of his family. Noah, the skies are blue right now. We've never heard of rain. Why are you building an ark? I'm building an ark for the saving of my family. There's rain coming. There's judgment coming. It's not always going to be like you see it today. And I'm going to build an ark for my family. If I don't provide the way out, my family's not going to have a way out. There is no plan B. There's no alternate option. If, nobody, if I don't build an ark for my family, nobody's going to build an ark for my family. And the Bible says Noah's wife, his sons, their wives, eight and all were saved because one man built an ark before the flood waters. Covered the earth. I'm telling you, church, today, we have to discern the times in which we live. And it is now time to get our families in the ark. It is now time to build an ark for our families. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, then look up. When we see them begin to happen, now's the time. Now's the time. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait some sometime down the road. But get started today. I'm going to build an ark today. I'm going to save my family today. I'm going to turn my eyes to the eternal today. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let a hobby keep me from taking my family to heaven. I'm not going to let a career distract me from recognizing the signs of the time. I'm not going to let the pursuit of the world's priorities blind me to the reality that my family must be saved. Oh, but I'm going to get my family praying. Come on, I'm going to get my family in the Word. I'm going to get my family faithful to the house of God. I'm going to make sure there's an ark. For my family. Jesus told us how to do it. Matthew 6 Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust or rust doth corrupt. Where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your treasure today? What are you investing in? The things of this world are passing away. Jesus is coming soon. Are you investing in the right thing? The good news today is that we have an opportunity. Another opportunity today to get the ark built for our family. That's why the scripture says to, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. God's mercy and grace is not exhausted. Uh, he hasn't run out of mercy. He hasn't run out of grace. There's still plenty waiting for you here today at this altar. All we got to do is repent. Be baptized in his name filled with the Holy Ghost, of evidence, speaking out of the tongues. And the Bible says, if that spirit that dwelt also in Christ, that raised up Jesus Christ dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. All we got to do is make sure that we're filled up with the Holy Ghost. All we got to do is make sure our family is filled up with the Holy Ghost and make sure that they're in the ark. I'm preaching today. There's still time to build an ark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is... There is opportunity here today. We, we're, we're, we have an opportunity to make commitment to, uh, to live full of the Spirit, to make sure our families are full of the Spirit, and to understand the times we're living in. We're going to be part of this church. I'll ask you to stand with me today as the musicians come. Years ago, when I was just a boy, Growing up on the Pentecostal pew. <clears throat> they would preach along this line and uh, conviction would fall. We'd see, we'd see grown men run to the altar and cry out for their soul's salvation. Conviction would fill the room so strong after, after a sermon like this. And old Buddy Simmons would get up. And he'd begin singing in the altar service, creating an atmosphere of prayer. And I'll hear his voice till my dying day. One of the songs he would sing is this. For above all else, I must be saved. For above all else. That's a statement of priority. It's a statement of priority. For above all else, I must be saved. And then the song got real convicting. It said this as a prayer to God. Whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. For above all else, I must be saved. We don't really pray that prayer anymore like we used to. These days we pray, Lord, what can I do out in the world to be like everybody else and still make it and still be saved? But the call today is to pray it the other way around and say, God, whatever I have to do, I don't want to be lost. God, whatever I have to do, I don't want my family lost. Whatever you have to do to me, God, I'll put it all on the altar. God, I'll give you everything. I just don't want my family and myself To be lost for eternity. If that's your prayer today as they begin to play and sing. I'm opening up this altar to the whole church. Today is the day of salvation. Today you have an opportunity. We see these things beginning to come to pass. Today's our opportunity to begin looking up, to be getting those priorities right. Say, God, whatever else I do in this life, I'm going to make sure I'm right with you. Whatever else I accomplish in this world, I'm going to make sure my family goes to heaven. Oh, would somebody pray that prayer with me today? Would somebody pray that prayer with me today? above all else, I must be saved. Come on, Grace Church. Come on, I'm turning this service over to you today. Would somebody pray? Would somebody talk to the Lord? Would you get your family and make it a house of prayer?